Welcome to the Archie Sonic Digest. We have got, I know we say this a lot, but it's true, folks. We have a great show today because we've got some stuff to go off of. We got a Tales arc to start us off with in Sonic Universe. And it's actually really funny because despite that, this episode becomes very weirdly bunny-centric with how much of a big role she plays today. But you know what? I'm not complaining. Who's complaining? I'm not complaining. And the one who is not complaining as well, my co-host Aaron. How's it going, buddy? I'm here. I'm alive. I might clear P4S tonight. Put a put a prage. Put a put a put a prayer to your hearts. It'll probably be dead by the time this comes out. But put a pray for me, boys. You know, you know, you know. Just kill Dracula, man. Just kill him. He's he's not hard. What do you gotta do? Just dodge, bro. Literally, just dodge, bro. Do mechanics. Press <laughs> buttons. Not that hard. <laughs> like I was saying in the pre-show, this episode very bunny centric, and I am just. I'm very excited. I kind of just want to like go for it, you know. Like, why? I you mean, wanna... we can, we can, we can definitely go for it. And so, let's begin with our first issue for tonight: Sonic Universe number seventeen. Flynn and Yardley, the creative team, of course. Now we start off Tails, Bunny, and Antoine. An interesting trio this time around. Not one we usually get to see that often. Riding around in the Sea Fox. Now, do you know where the Sea Fox comes from? I think I know where the sea fox comes from. Tell me. Tell me where it comes from. Let me just say it like this. This Sonic Universe arc is branded the Tales Adventure, right? And it does go without saying. You are correct. This story arc draws a lot of inspiration from Tales Adventure, the Game Gear game released in 1995. (laughs) So... Something I really can, I feel like let's let's open the arc with a bit of a discussion about Tales Adventure. So, Tales Adventure is not necessarily a super difficult game or one that's talked about much for a lot of reasons. Number one, obviously Game Gear, right? Mm-hmm. So, smaller user base, et cetera, et cetera. Number two, it's a Tales game. So, you see it and then it's like, oh... Well, this doesn't have Sonic. I don't want to play it. Here you Where's it's Sonic? You. It's Where's, go, where the loop-de-loops? Where, where the loop-de-loop? Where the face? So what's interesting is that Tales Adventure is actually a adventure, almost Metroidvania platformer where you gather uh, abilities and parts to solve different situations in different stages, much akin to a Metroid game. And it's actually really cool... <laughs> How the progression of where you get to go around the island and essentially figure out a bunch of stuff is is done. It's it's really interesting. It's a fun concept that's never been tried again for Sonic. I kind of do wish that maybe we could get like a round two of this kind of game. Not necessarily like with this same like scenario and setup, but like, I don't know, give like a Metroidvania style game with Tails again. Why not? Yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, it's been said many times, but like the whole like, Oh, Sonic shitty friends argument, which is obviously incredibly baseless. It's just because people mauled out look, the fact that... Look, listen, we're not in 2012 anymore. Like, just, just, 
no. Yeah, we're not we're not we're not dealing with that argument anymore. But like the thing is is that all of Sonic fr Sonic's friends have unique abilities and Tails seems really suited to Metroidvania puzzle platformer. I mean, it worked out in that case, but I'd love to see a second shot at it. Yeah. Anyhow, Tails is taking Bunny and Antoine to his little private island for their long overdue honeymoon. They arrive right in front of them, Coco Island, and it's three sister islands. Tails feels like there was only two, and I'm the one who found out about this place, and I'm the one that made the map. There's only two here. I kind of don't know how I missed a whole island, but uh, whatever. Tails docks the sub on the beach as a spyglass is pointing up from the third island. And then we follow it below to a command center. There's two people inside surprised to see someone arriving. No one else is supposed to know about this place, they say. And they want to try to alert their battle lord about this. Or just lob missiles at them. But from behind, their seemingly superior officer orders none of that. We sit and wait. So the three begin to unpack on the shore. Tails is about to set up for his workshop, and, you know, he's got plenty to do up there, but, you know, what about you guys? Aren't you guys going to be bored in a deserted island? But Bunny just says, ah, don't worry about us. Tails says, okay, but, you know, workshop's just up the road if you change your mind. And as he leaves, my man Antoine smirks, just saying, <laughs> oh, we'll be bored. He says, oh, you hush, he's still a youngin'. They about wow, to get their wow. fuck on! They about wow. to get their fuck on! Damn! Damn, I can't... Ian, Ian, listen, man. I, I know we're away from that era, but... Hey, look. This is, this is gonna, it's cutting a little close, yeah, my man. Like, it's cutting a little we're, close. We're, uh, we're, like, on the line. We're getting real, like, ooh. Yeah, we're right there. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty intense. So... Tails walks up towards the workshop, happily reminiscing about the time that he came across it when he was making his way home from Down Under. He took a lot of time off here when it seemed like Sonic had died. Getting to know the island and building my workshop was the only thing that helped me through that dark time. It used to be my own little secret since I didn't think I'd be allowed to keep it. Back then, my friends worried about me being off of my own so much, but now, I think they finally see me for the freedom fighter I am. Can we give can we give a little little round of applause for our for our boy? Give, you know what? Not only did he prove himself, he just showed his like, no, this is all good. I do kind of like that little tidbit of Tails saying he was here a lot in the time when Sonic passed away, and this was basically like his therapy, like his private space. No one can bother him. I don't know. That just feels very like real, you know. It's pretty beautiful. I, I will say, I do, you know, we've talked about it before, but since this is a Tails arc, it's a Tails mini arc, um, we are going to get to see a lot of, the, of, of him sort of really, again, coming into his own, which is one of the best aspects of Tails in these comics. Because he's allowed to not be, you know, what the games have reduced to him as of recently, which is uh, Sonic's uh, sidekick and coward, he's allowed to flourish and grow, and it creates a lot of great drama. And speaking of which... Oh, God. <laughs> Tails stirs himself up and flies to get to his workshop. And the people spying on him are, I have in my notes, shocked. But in reality, they're more like apoplectic. Like, they're going to have a heart attack, what they're looking at. How can his tails even do that? And their superior, he's looking real angry with what he's seeing. He says that the only Mobians meant to enjoy the skies are the birds. It's a little, little racially charged there, brother. But all right. Yeah, it's, it's a little, 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 
little little racism a little little big racism in here you know so he says to keep an eye on them he's going to meet with the so-called battle lord as we see some panels of tales enjoying you know doing some work some coding while twan and uh bunny are uh out enjoying their honeymoon having a grand old time together as tales finishes he makes a new robot pup and antoine and bunny are watching the sunset which I gotta say, Tails, that little panel with him on the computer, that's definitely me cyberbullying people on Twitter.com. Satirically, of course. Satirically. Me when I play Final Fantasy XIV online. <laughs> <laughs> Keep, uh, hand on one keyboard sandwich and the other. It's on yep, the other. I'm yeah, gaming. exactly. I'm yep, gaming. I'm gaming. I'm gaming, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to another panel. Bunny and Twan having a brief discussion. Bunny, mm, do you ever worry we married too early? He says this on our honeymoon, no less. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is not what I meant. I just, oh, shush, sugar twan. I know what you meant. We're still pretty young, all things considered. And this was before the Great War. Folks probably would have said we rushed into things. That is what I worry you may sometimes think. Show it's crossed my mind, but this ain't like those days. We've been fighting for the world since we were little, and we've had to grow up fast. That is how I realized it is well. I just want you to be sure you are content with us. I couldn't be happier. Aww. Adorable. Aww. Adorable. Aww. Adorable. And then, just as he, and just as uh, Buddy says, you got nothing to worry about, we are shown a panel of uh, some shady figures moving in. Tails is fast asleep in his workshop, but he is startled awake to the sounds of an explosion and sees outside his window the forest set ablaze and tells his robot dog, T-Pup, we need to go find Bunny and Antoine. While they try to get their bearing on their surroundings... You know, the forest is on fire, so we can't go through there. The smoke is too dense to fly through safely. And then Buddy and Antoine realize the birds are surrounding them. These are birds wearing blue helmets. Some are on land walkers, others on foot, and they all have laser pistols pointed to them. And Antoine looks at them, realizing that they're surrounded, and says, how unfortunate for them. And he rushes in, grabs one of the foot soldiers' guns, and just starts pistol-whipping motherfuckers. <laughs> listen, listen, okay? When Anton grows a pair, he grows a pair. And he's kind of based when he grows a pair. And he's going off, saying like, oh, it was our honeymoon, which was long overdue. It was a romantic starlit evening and everything. Bunny is keeping herself safe with an energy shield. You know, they've got fancy tech, sure, but mine's all better. As she extends her arm to punch through a landwalker. Tails and T-Pup head out to find Antoine and Bunny. T-Pup pushes out a gyrocopter from his back to support himself as he's flying. Tails is happy to see that part is working. And he's stopped in the air by more bird soldiers and air cruisers, telling him that's far enough, freak. While Tails is being shot at, he's reminiscing again. He's remembering about all the times he's been on some solo adventures, you know. Before I was just a kid, even at my strongest I still needed help, but that was then, and this is now. And he charges through the air mech, tearing it in half. Tails continues, taking down several of these troopers in their air mechs, throwing them around, causing diversions, before he's cut short. A dash of green flies through the sky, blazing, his eyes fixated. Tails tries to go, let's see who the better flyer is, as he's attacked from all sides once again in a blur of green. We move to Antoine and Bunny. They're holding their own for the time being, wondering who these people are, where they came from, 
As from behind, a mech steps out of the fire. The gun Antoine took has no effect on it, and Bunny Shield can't hold with the attacks that it's taking from it. And when they take a punch, they're both knocked out cold. And the birds take them away, wondering who they are, how they got there. Uh, It doesn't matter. They're being taken prisoner anyway, so no biggie. And what's going on with the boss? And they look up to the sky and can tell he's having fun. Tails asks him who he is. Why are you doing all this? Who are you guys? Are you with the Legion? Are you mercs? What's the deal? As Tails' opponent flies above him, kicks his back, and knocks him down to the roof of his workshop. And this green bird comes down toward him. Tells them, all you need to know, my name is Speedy, the 16th Battle Cuckoo of the Battlebird Armada, and I am your end, freak. That's the end of issue 17, but I do got a comment. Speedy, Battle Cuckoo, very anticlimactic names. Sorry about that, buddy. Yeah, it's a little awkward. Regardless, we'll move on to Sonic Universe 18, Flynn and Yardley again, the creative team. When Tails collects himself, you know, why are you doing all this? We just came here to re- to relax. And Speedy says, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you did when you landed on our personal training grounds. And you made it personal with your unnatural flying, you freak. The skies belong to the birds and all birds belong to the armada. And Tails replies, well, what about bats and bees and flying squirrels? Well, at least they have something like wings. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, Well, you know what else flies? You teep up! Get him! And it flies behind Speedy and bites him in the butt. And that distraction leads teep up and Tails to fly off together, trying to regroup. Speedy's given chase, but Tails is able to lead him into a cavern below the shore. Him and teep up are just dodging stalagmites, but Speedy is punching his way through them to Tails' shock. He picks up an updraft and uses it to launch himself out of the cave. Speedy is following, but he's lagging behind now, and is flying up like that can cause him to stale out. So he just wonders how Tails can fly even in the way that he does. Speedy catches up and hits him again. But after that hit, Tails disappears outside of the hole that they blow flew out of. He's ordered back to the Armada, Battle Lord's orders. And while he's upset, he does take his leave. We then move just a little below the cavern. Tails and Teapup are hiding inside a rock formation on the side of the cavern. Tails is kind of taking aback all this that happened in just the past 12 hours. And you know... If Sonic were here, I know he'd probably just, like, kick butt and take names, but that's Sonic, and I'm me, and I got a rest. I can't think with my head ringing like this. So, so T-Pup, keep an eye out, as Tails just falls asleep. We then move to the next morning. Bunny and Antoine are being awoken by Armada grunts, and the two whisper each other, Are you ready? And Antoine is ready to enact their plan. So, Bunny's cage is opened. As she is being handled out, Antoine reaches for a grunt by the neck, demanding stop mishandling my wife, and the grunt shakes him off, pointing the pistol. Dude, are you crazy? Just sit down and shut up. Jesus Christ. Bunny plays along. Antoine, do what you're told, hun. And as they leave, Antoine says, oh, I'll do just that. As he's looking at the prison key card, he swiped off the grunt. Smooth. My man Antoine multiclassed as a rogue. Epic. Bunny is brought to two large doors. The grunts are telling the battle lord. Their prisoner is here, just as you wanted. As Bunny just is curious about that title. And inside, she meets with this battle lord. And he dismisses the guards. Ah, well, we're all friends here. 
Uh, <laughs> are, are we? Yes! <laughs> Forgive my men between the dark and the overzealousness. We didn't recognize we had a representative of the Dark Egg Legion with us. So I want to say that every time this guy talks, I just think of fucking Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> I say, I, I say, say boy, I say, I say a member of the Dark Egg Legion. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> Bunny is just thinking, oh, they must think I'm legion because of my roboticized limbs. So she plays along. Oh, well, what's to forgive? The doctor doesn't work well with us, does he? Commissar Bunny de Calais, deep cover agent. Just how deep cover, you may ask? I married one of the freedom fighters to get closer to their organization. Wow. So I like that Bunny is just like, oh, yeah. We're doing this now. We're fucking with him. Fuck it, right? <laughs> Talk about being a bird brain, am I right, fellas? This uh, battle lord calling himself Battle Cuckoo the 15th just laughs at that comment. So the two have a seating arrangement made for them. Bunny says that they had no idea that you guys were in control of this region. And the battle lord says that, well, the Armada actually isn't officially part of the Legion. We're just a loose affiliation since we're not formally legionized. So the news kind of comes a bit slowly. So they have some nice mineral water. And the battle lord tells her that the battle bird armada is but an ancient order. We look to conquer the skies. And we would have done so by now if it not for those pesky rogues. And when Bunny hears that name, she chokes on the water. Um, <laughs> you, you mean the Babylon rogues? Okay, so this is a very weird direction that I didn't expect. But the Battle Lord goes on to explain the very same Vargans who ignored the proud Battle Cuckoo lineage and the proper life the Armada provides. How do you know of them? Uh, one of the rebels I'm investigating had a run in with them not too long ago. I see. Any relation to that two tailed freak that eluded my men last night? Oh, uh, he got away? Good. I, uh, for your men, I mean. He's a ferocious little fella. Weapons expert. Child soldier. Why'd you have to say it like that, man? Uh, okay, like, that's okay, what, but like, like, look, that's what he is. Like, make no two ma mistakes about it. Tails is a child soldier. They're all child soldiers, if you think about it, but, like, why'd you have to say it, man? Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, except you just replaced Jack with Tails. <laughs> Time for Tails to let her rip. Let it rip! <laughs> Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. Anyway, she just is like, uh, well, look. Lucky no one got hurt, or worse. And he's surprised to learn that about Tails, but Bunny brings the conversation back to him. And speaking of Tails, he wakes up under his rock at about noonish. He hits his head on the rock when he jolts up and has T-Pup follow him. We gotta, we gotta come up with a plan. So they arrive to the Sea Fox. The Armada set up a watch for that, but not his lab, which he thinks is either lazy or stupid. But either way, bombs away. And he bombards the watchmen with gas bombs and they pass out, which is a war crime, by the way. For Just want to get that on the record. As they pass out from the gas, Tails and Teapup get onto the Sea Fox. And Tails intends to check out that weird third island, as he really should have done from the start, he thinks. There's no direct ports, so he submerges, and underneath the water, he sees they've actually done a really thorough job in hiding the place. Even his sonars aren't really detecting a good place to get in, but there is an underground tunnel that connects it to Coco Island, so 
Let's start from there. As from behind, we see some other subs on the sea fox's tail. Meanwhile, Antoine is actually talking to his guard, just having a pleasant chat about cooking. The guard says that when he's done with his prep, he thinks he would use some margarine. And Antoine cuts him off saying, ah, that's where your problem is. You should be using butter. Oh, really? That makes a difference? A difference? That's like asking if there's a difference between the water in your glass and the water in your commode. And the grunt's like, oh, yeah, I have a buddy who's real into cooking. Let me let me go get him. He could use some tips. And Antoine says, take your time, as he uses his key card to unlock his cell. And by the way, I am like 99% certain that this scene is like a deep cut reference to Sad AM. There was an episode where Antoine was captured by Snively, and Snively was torturing him by feeding escargot that he cooked with margarine instead of butter. It's a very weird scene, but when I read that, I was like, is, th- th- is that what this is? Yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to think here. Is it? I don't know, like, it's... It's like it's a little too coincidental. It's a little too coincidental. And again, it's Ian Flynn. It is Ian Flynn we're talking about right now. I have no clue. <laughs> well, I'm sticking with it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a fair explanation. He leaves his cell to go find Bunny, thinking he's got a good amount of time before he's found missing. These people can't even tell the difference between margarine and butter. As he bumps into Speedy, to Antoine's nervousness... <laughs> You're not the cooking type, none. Speedy calls into the Battle Lord's office. One of the prisoners has escaped, and Bunny offers, I'll go handle the situation myself. Needs a personal touch. As the Battle Lord understands, I I see why your deep cover is needed. And back underwater, Tails realizes he's got bogeys on his tail, and actually even calms into them, asking what kind of cloaking tech they've got. The Sea Foxer's sensors really should have picked you guys up, no matter what. But one of the grunts says, oh, you know, we've got this pretty good, you know, doctor on our side. Dr. Foo... Fud... Don't talk to him, you idiot! Sink him! And Tails goes on the offensive, breaking through their pods, and even after the last one is torpedoed, Tails goes back to the surface, as he intends to, at least. Now, we move back to Antoine. He's running and tries to find a place to regroup, and decides to open a nearby door, which happens to be a hatch to the surface, the highest point of the island. Who put a door like that in a place like this? And Speedy tells him, Alright buddy, don't be stupid, just surrender and we'll go easy on you. As Bunny comes from behind, overstepping him, says, I'll take care of this. And Speedy screams at her, saying, I don't care if you're with the Legion, I don't care if you answer to the fat man himself, you are on the Armada, you answer to me. And Bunny counters, the Battle Lord gave me permission to do as I see fit, so shut your beak. And Antoine hears that part and asks, Dark Egg Legion? Battle Lord? And Bunny tries to get him to calm down to explain, but Antoine looks out the door over his shoulder and says, I understand everything now. Silver warned us of a traitor in the Freedom Fighters. You wanted a place to get away from it all. I understand everything now. Bunny tries to get closer to him to explain, but he's not listening. I don't want to hear it. And he faints and falls out the door. Goodbye, cruel world. <laughs> and Bunny screams as he sees him fall. That's the end of the comic, by the way. I, uh, uh, okay, we gotta step back a bit. There's a lot going on in this one fucking issue alone. Holy shit. So, uh, 
We got espionage. We got child soldiers. We even have suicide. Ian, you good man. What happened here? You want to talk? Do you need to talk? Punished Ian, a man without a cause. (laughs) Punished Antoine at this point. Holy shit. Like I said, that's the end of issue 18. Let's move on to issue 19. Which, by the way, I'm sorry I'm cutting this off again. But remember, I had a a subscription to Universe at this point. Imagine waiting a month for that resolution. That was me, alright? Yeah. Um, I'd like to point out the cover of this comic because it is especially funny. Antoine is on the uh, Sea Fox uh, leading the way with a little bit of water on his nose with a little ducky floaty (laughs) as Tails is uh, just, are you for real right now, bro? (laughs) My man hits him with the Sacre Bleu. (laughs) Yeah, the Sacre Bleu, dude. Flynn and Yardley, creative team, as always. So we cut back to the, the ending of that comic. Bunny watching Antoine jump out into the ocean in disbelief, shocked, then happy, then slamming the door. Get out of my way. Is he? Yeah, no thanks to you. So she then proceeds to go on a very long rant to Speedy about how she's lost years and years and years of work in just a single instant. But that smile clearly said something, Mm -hmm. right? She she knows, boys. That little smile shows that, you know, it's time to continue the game. So, yes, she did lose years and years of work as far as Speedy is concerned. I don't have time to play the role of the bereaved widow. And firstly, you ambush us without checking my status. You can't keep one guy captive. And you let that one captive jump out into the ocean. I'm going to the Battle Lord about this. And she buzzes off as... Speedy's suspicions, of course, are not wavering. Meanwhile, we see Tails on the Sea Fox, with Antoine on top of him, talking about how he made such a daring escape, and Tails is like, yeah, 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 just get off of me! Yeah, he, he's, he's yucking it up in the fu- on fucking Tails' lap, like, like, like the kid can support his fucking weight. Pain. This, this fucking Frenchman sometimes, I swear to God. <laughs> So Antoine says Bunny is pretending to be a spy. I didn't want to blow her cover, so I made this daring escape. But hey, what's that weird little thing near you? Oh, it's T-Pup. This is the pet project I was telling you about. So look, the Sea Fox is showing some damage. We have to avoid fighting underwater. So Tails drills a docking spot under a cliff, and the two scale back up. Tails mentions that there is an underground cave that connects to their base. So they land in the jungle. And Antoine is reminiscing how Tails has really grown in recent times. You're so young and inexperienced, taking your sea foxes down under, fighting two whole freedom fighter groups. And Tails is just really trying to restrain himself. But Antoine says, Alice, I'm not making fun. I'm praising you. As he pets Tails' head, you fight bravely and you're a big boy who's the big manly man. Yes, you are. And Tails... Gets, like, fucking (laughs) activated. Just, like, gets up in his face, inching to Joker mode at this point, says, Antoine, how about we go look for a way into the base and help Bunny? And says, I am making you blush. You are the modest hero. Yeah, okay, sure. Right on the money. He's, 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 he's gonna let it rip. He's gonna (laughs) let it rip. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, but, but I love this. The the fact that Twan is just being incredibly obnoxious because he can't recognize that Tails is his own person. Oh, well, just like much of the Sonic community. Anyway. (laughs) Nice. 
Nice. <laughs> nice. T-Pop found the way in as Tuan and Tails stare down the entrance of the Black Cave. Antoine letting his cowardly side show, a little afraid of the dark, wondering what they're going to find underground. And that's when we transition over to Speedy and the Battle Lord. Speedy and Dr. Fukurokov? You actually nailed it. Yes, Fukurokov. Wow. First try. It's really funny because in universe, like, they have difficulty saying his name, but, like, Fukurokov, just, like, read it. Enunciate, dude. Fukurokov. So, Speedy goes up to Fukurokov and says that he needs to use his computer. The dude is pissed. Why are you trying to use my computer? I just want some peace and quiet while I work. I swear I got no respect around here. People don't even call me by my name. Just doctor. I bet you don't even remember it. Of course I do. Then say it. Fu, 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 fructo. Look, I know it. I just can't pronounce it. (laughs) No respect. Why do I even bother wasting my genius here? Great scene. Great scene. (laughs) Great scene. So Speedy looks through the database, finds Bunny's file, but reveals, of course, that she was one of the Freedom Fighters, and promptly decides to report it to the Battle Lord. He concludes that the Battle Lord is being deceived. What do you think we should do about this? And thinks Dr. Fu, I think you might have just what we need. And he looks on into a machine up above. Meanwhile, Tails and Antoine are spelunking something fierce. Tails was following a map saying that he discovered these ruins when he first got here. I don't know who made it, but they've been gone for a long time now. They find Armada grunts doing planned demolition, but they're almost bungling it, saying that if we go off now, it'll tear a hole right into the undertunnels, which is a straight shot to the base. Tails and Antoine, exchange a look, and they go out, Take out, hogtie the grunts, and Tails just ties all the fuse bombs together. Fire in the hole! The explosion leads to the undertunnel, wide enough to move an entire army once they go inside. And wouldn't you know it, that's exactly who they find. So, Tails, Antoine, and T-Pup charge directly at him. And so, moving inside the base, Speedy gets an alert from that location telling the Battle Lord that the two-tailed freak is mounting an assault in our own invasion conduct. And he says, Ah, don't worry, us. We sent the Legionnaire rep to handle that matter. Don't get in our way. And Speedy is a little pissed that he's uniting their enemies. As Fukurokov asks if he is to stop with the upgrades. No, no, don't. It's not like I could stop you otherwise. Indeed not. This labor of love will be my finest creation. So in the conduct, Tails and Antoine are on the offensive. They're taking out grunts. The one with the landwalker right behind them has the flamethrower pointed right at them. And on cue, Bunny flies in and punches it out dead center. As she comes back, she gives Antoine a saber from the armory. Thought you could use it as to not bruise up your knuckles anymore. Her gift to Tails? The schematics of the entire armada base. So he calls for T-Pup, loads in the schematics. T-Pup rejects them and sees on the 3D display, we could probably do the most damage from this bottom-most storage bay. It'd be enough to weaken the entire infrastructure of the base, and they'd have to spend a lot of time in repairs before they could even hope to do anything else. So, we got a plan. Tails, lead the way. We then move into where an armada squadron is being prepped for this incoming invasion, but before they can even react, 
Tails flies in and kicks one over the head. Then the three fly up the elevator shaft, leading them right to the storage room they were looking for. As Tails is prepping Antoine and Bunny to do some damage, they're found by Fukurokov. You will do no such thing. This base is one of my finest creations, and you will not maw its perfection. Or my name is not Dr. Fukurokov. And you can't stop us, Dr. Fu... 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 Crock. Clock. It's not that hard. It's... It's really not that- Just attack them already! And then the three are ambushed by this giant mech. They're being shot at, Tails nearly taking a hit, and Antoine and Bunny recognize it as the mech that attacked them last night. Bunny says that it was pretty tough, but now I'm ready for it. And she goes in to counter its punch. Their fists connect, and Bunny is thrown to the other side of the room. Antoine's about to go in to help her, but Tails tackles him to take cover from laser fire, as Fukurokov shows them the mech in full, the greatest war machine ever constructed. And that is the end of issue 19. Some good stuff in here. A lot of hectic stuff, I mean. Again, imagine, like, I, I know I already talked about this, but like, a whole month for that resolution, huh? Damn. I'm sorry, I can't get over it. Some things just stick with you, okay? It's pretty fucking wild. So we move to Sonic Universe number 20? Wow, 20. 20 issues. Can you believe 20 it? 20 issues. Jesus. We're five away from 25. I, I'm, I'm just premature, but like I love the arc where issue 25 is. It's, it's genuinely one of my favorite universe arcs. But I digress. Flynn and Yardley, the creative team on Sonic Universe issue 20. So we open. Fukurokov is gloating over his greatest creation, the Mole Mech. It just reminds me of Mole Man. I'm sorry. It just, I, the, the, I'm sorry. The, the, yeah, no, listen, it's, 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 it's either Mole Man. I don't know why, but people meme about him. The fucking Underminer. <laughs> fucking <laughs> at the end of Incredibles. Yeah, it's, it's just all a big joke. Anyway, the greatest creation, the Mole Mech, and you cannot stop it. So Bunny hobbles back up. Oh, that sucker packed a punch. But Tail says, that's not going to matter. We can take it. Oh, no, you can't. That mech is my finest in a long line of creations for the Armada. So, Tails, Bunny, can you have it blinded? So she hits it with her arm cannon. But that's only going to work for a few seconds. But Tails insists, that's all I need. Look, go around and hit those weak points I told you about. I'll take care of this mech. Well, that's really brave of you, Tails, Bunny says. But how do you expect to do that? Oh, with this wrench? And also the demolition charges I got from the Armada. Just trust me. As the mech recovers, Tails tells Bunny, Go for the high points, Antoine take the low points. And the three split up. Tails dodges laser fire as T-Pup hits it with bombs. We see Bunny tearing through the metal walls to the doctor's displeasure. And Tails is quickly dismantling the mech bit by bit as T-Pup continues the bombardment. He flies up. It's over, Dr. Fubu? Uh... It's, it's pronounced, I don't care, listen. From one builder to another, if you want your mech to stay in one piece, call it off, now. And Fukurokov says that nothing can destroy its beautiful craftsmanship, and then Tails becomes pinned to the railing. Oh yeah? And he throws the wrench out of his hand, it hits the drill right on its drill bit, and from there, falls apart. No! Inconceivable! 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 You keep saying that word. I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> Doctor says, you have earned my hatred for life. 
as a voice calls out from the mech. And Tails is freaked out that there was a pilot inside, but figures it might be him. And Tails tears open the faceplate and pulls out Speedy, asking, Are you okay? Where's your med bay? You good? He responds, Nice moves back there, kid. And so Tails becomes a little gentleman at this point, extends his hand, Look, my name is Miles Prower, but call me Tails. Right. And the two shake hands. Look, I can get past the insults from before. You know, we can try to be friends. But Speedy rejects that, even still calling him a freak. But look, you might want to get your friends out of here. And an alarm has been going off behind them. And then explosions go. Tails finds Teapup damaged. Bunny and Antoine are both okay. So Tails just says, follow me back to the undertunnel. The elevator arrives in front of them carrying more armada birds. But they ignore the three of them and just run past. But Tails says... Ignore him. We gotta keep going down. The elevator fails, but Tails still insists we have to go down. We need to get to the undertunnels. And when they get there, Bunny and Antoine are kind of freaking out. We're under the ocean here, Tails. We're gonna drown. But Tails says, listen, this place isn't even an island. The room begins to flood, and Tails says, wait for it. Wait for it. And then a wall tears open and shows that they are above ground. And the three fly out. And when they turn around, they see this supposed island being a giant flying fortress. Dale says he figured it out from those schematics he got for me, Bunny. So Antoine, though, please get me back to the ground. Please. In the base, in the Battle Lord's office, he has Speedy and Fukuroko to chastise. Speedy, next time there is a freedom fighter in our midst, you tell me. Is that clear? Well, I didn't think you... I I was trying to intercept... Yes, sir. And as for you, Doctor, since you love to build, you'll be in charge of getting this base operational again. By yourself. This was a miserable failure, gentlemen. The glorious Battlebird Armada is better than this, but we could be better still. It's about time we rounded up our wayward flock. As he looks upon the screen, pictures of the Babylon rogues with their locations confirmed. Once we're at full strength, we cast off the Eggman Empire. Mobius will kneel to our might. And this little brat will pay most dearly. His name is Miles Prower, sir, Speedy says. His friends call him Tails. As we shift to a different scene, actually... A ship is coming into view of the Battlebirds Armada's uh, home base. And aboard, perfect timing, almost, storm the Albatross and wave the Swallow. They've found the Battle Fortress, but it isn't an island like Jet said. They're dropping a lot of debris, and they seem to be venting fuel. It could be that the island and the ruins weren't as secret as they thought. Do you think another band of rogues beat us to the punch? As Jet says, nobody touches the relics of Babylon but us rogues. Let's go remind our old buddies why that is. We cut back to the house where Antoine, Bunny, and Tails, and Teapop, of course, are all having a nice little cup of what? Is that? Is that hot cocoa? It's hot cocoa. It's hot cocoa. On Cocoa Island, no less. Those cocoa beans better slap if it's called Cocoa Island, I'm just saying. True, 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 true. So, they're decompressing after their adventure. But Tails says, This all couldn't have succeeded without you guys. 
and they cheer off now having a real vacation. And that right there is the end of Sonic Universe issue 20. That's the end of this bit of Sonic Universe and gotta say, absolutely loved it. Having a Tales adventure like be the inspiration for this, you know, arc, pretty creative as far as Ian goes and nothing but positive, I think. Even despite the fact of the little twist of like Antoine committing seppuku. Didn't expect that. <laughs> I I mean it's a it's a fun arc and it's it does the it does something pretty solid, which is it takes the universe characters and uh transforms them into uh interesting. I think what I like about this arc a lot is that um we get a glimpse of three characters who we sort of get, you know, time and development, but it's nice to see certain things reaffirmed. I like the fact that they are clearly placing emphasis on the fact that Tails, despite being young, is still a very formidable foe and a very capable fighter. Mm -hmm. I also like the fact that Bunny and Antoine, their relationship is put through, not necessarily a test, but more of a trust. And it's very clear that you can tell that Tuan knows that this is bullshit when he hears all that stuff and he immediately picks up on the act. He's been in too long. Bunny would never do that to him. Mm -hmm. It's really good. It's really good, and I love it. This is, you know, Bunny and Antoine have become my favorite couple in this universe, you could say. Because, like, their relationship just feels real, you know? It's a, it's, it's an actual developing thing, you know? Like, Sonic and Sally shit also works for the most part, except when it doesn't. B but... That was a long time ago. I mean, look, I mean, we, we've talked about the relationship stuff in this comic a lot and like our disdain for it, but it's not necessarily that we have like a disdain for it overall. We just think that like, it's a Sonic comic. Sometimes this doesn't need to be here. If it drives the story forward and is interesting, then yeah, it can exist. Exhibit A. Exhibit A. But if it's pointless and just adds drama for the sake of drama... Like, why have it? This isn't what we're here for. I am not here to watch a CW show. I am here to watch Sonic the fucking Hedgehog. Well, CW shows are, are horrible speed. I'm sorry if, if any of you enjoy CW shows. You're braver men than I. Look, I did my time when I enjoyed Supernatural, alright? I did my time. I was in high school for the record. Let me, let me preface that. Alright, so, so, listen, we all make mistakes, speed, alright? Okay, were you were you super hulock? Was was is this is this your confession live? Please don't make me cry on air. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I was. Listen, okay, listen, look, I... listen, listen. Okay, it's all right. We know that Benedict Cumberbatch's mind palace, where he goes. <laughs> Do you think Tails has a mind palace, <laughs> bro? Bro, I would pay good money to see the mind palace scene animated, but with Tails. <laughs> We really lived in a dark time, didn't we? Listen, listen. All I'm gonna say is uh, Sherlock has not aged well. I don't think Supernatural has aged particularly well. Doctor Who, though. Doctor Who got a lot better after they kicked off uh, You Know Who. Stephen Moffat. Well, yes. Um, uh, mm. Okay, but we're not here to talk about Doctor Who yeah, and we'll how and how they're ruining it in real time that they have to hire back Russell T. Davies. We're here to talk about... Sonic the Hedgehog. As we move back to the main comic, after a after the conclusion of the Iron Dominion arc, we find ourselves in a bit of a lull period. Uh, the next set of issues will be dealing with a variety of different topics and different things going on around the world. At the same time, setting up for what's to come. 
Absolutely. Family Matters, Part 1, Sonic the Hedgehog, Issue 215. Ian Flynn is the writer, and Stephen Butler doing the art. All right, so we start with a message from the Northern Freedom Fighters. Wow, that's... It's a hell of a callback, let's just say. Yes, yes, hell of a callback. Stating about the construction of something that looks like a refueling station, but it's way too big. If you've got the time or the spare hands, we could use some help. So, uh, Nicole finishes doing that, but it's very clear that something's up. Mm-hmm. The council members are a little, a l- a little skittish. A little, a little They're a little skittish. skittish around her, going the whole, like, Santa Maria, uh, uh, get away from me, witch, kind of thing. Yeah, it's, uh, not, not very nice. Sonic, of course, says, Well, unless Sally and Amy find something in the egg dome, I'm free to run up there and lend a hand. Extending his hand to Rotor, asking him to pack some warm things. And Hamlin obviously has to be bitch-made, saying that he isn't going anywhere because he's retired from uh, his duties as a freedom fighter and that he is required on the council. Sonic's reply is, uh, wasn't asking for permission here, Hamlin. But Rotor ends up cutting him off. Sonic, look, it's, it's fine. Sonic's like, well, all right, I'll just be grabbing some power rings and I'll be on my merry way. And when Sonic leaves, Rotor calls Nicole to him saying, meet me at my place in a bit, okay? We move to the northern tundra. Sonic runs in to meet Guntiver, the leader of the Arctic Freedom Fighters. Sorry it took me so long to get here. But he says, oh, don't even worry about it. We really only sent word the other day. And he brings Sonic into their base underground. And immediately Sonic gets bear hugged, or I guess seal hugged, by Celia. The last time we saw each other was when Robotnik used his weather controlling device way back in the day. It's been a minute, hasn't it? I I gotta say, now I know this isn't Ian's fault, but I feel like the Arctic Freedom Fighters are very, like, deviant art fursona-esque. See, look, number one, you're right, it's not his fault, but also, a lot of the other Freedom Fighters before Ian's time were, like, very one-note characters. And in fact, I'm even gonna admit this, like... When I remember doing the notes for those issues where a lot of these new Freedom Fighters appeared, I didn't even bother, like, naming them. Because in my mind, these individual characters were just like, you know, the Arctic Freedom Fighters or the Down Under Freedom Fighters, blah, 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 blah. It goes on because they act as a unit. They very rarely had, like, even individual speaking lines. I don't even think that they were named a lot of them more. I do not remember the Arctic Freedom Fighters being named in their initial issue. I genuinely don't think so. But now at least Ian is like trying to like pick up the slack and trying to flesh this out. At the very least, I give him props for that. Yeah, I, as as always, Ian, you know, even after the great cleansing, he he's still he's still there. He's still on Janny duty, whether he likes it or not. Mm-mm. When Sonic is inside, Guntiver tells him that we weren't really a proper freedom fighter group when we first met you. We were just really activists. But Irma cuts Guntiver off saying... Yes, some of us wanted to be more proactive, and the two just end up glaring at each other. Anyway, the gang's back together to fight for the Northern Tundra, so Ermi tells Sonic the plan. Reconnaissance shows that the target has two levels, above and below the ice. The Legionnaires work the lower half, and on the higher half are the enslaved walruses, Rotor's herd, which is why Sonic offered him to come along. Here's the plan. Celia, Augustus, Flip, 
You guys do the underwater portion. The rest of you handle the above half. Sonic agrees to the plan, but Celia asks where Rotor is. You know, is he not worried about his family? And Sonic says, look, Rotor got hurt during the raise on Knothole. He got hit and a number was done on his back. He can get around now on his own, but when it comes to adventuring, he had to call it quits. Speaking of, we see Rotor in his lab. Nicole materializing, asking why she was called. And he shows her a design. Can you make this out of me with nanites? And she says, well, I, I, I could, but I don't really know if I'm comfortable with that, truth be told. Ever since the Iron Nicole situation, she says, I worry about abusing my control. And honestly, I think people here are thinking the same thing. Or worse. And Rotor says, look, yeah, everyone was spooked, but give enough time, they'll all calm down. You see. And besides, no one should know about this anyway. Let's just consider this our little secret. Which I gotta say, this is a interesting thing to bring up now. Of course the people are gonna be afraid of Nicole. I don't know if this is gonna be followed up on, actually. If it's gonna be, like, further discussed about the general people's, like, popular opinion of Nicole and her being the one to run the city after she was compromised. It's interesting, you know? I mean, because when you think about it, like, oh, look... You know, Nicole is like this this wonderful character that can do these magical fucking things. And then those magical things get used against you. If you're just an average person, how would that make you feel? You'd never feel safe. Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting because, uh, to me, this kind of parallels with the idea of smart technology, don't you think? Yeah, a bit. It's ahead of its time in that way, but it's it's almost... A little... It, it hits a little too close, you know? Yeah, it's it loved. can. If if you think about it, it really does hit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ian, I'll keep quiet for your sake, but why would you tell Sonic and the Council that you'd remain here? Oh, oh, that was just to shut Hamlin up. This is my family we're talking about. And besides, I'll be gone and back before anyone even notices. As we see Rotor changing out of his Council garb to his classic gear. Gotta do this for my herd, Nicole. So he suits up. And just as Nicole finishes, we move to see the constructed work. A full-on battle suit, and Rotor is wearing it ready to go. And when they move outside, she says good luck. And Rotor says thanks, but for now, it's gonna be the Dark Egg Legion that's gonna need luck. And he takes off with its jetpack. It's literally just an Iron Man suit. Like, like, let's not fucking, like, pretend but it's like, an Iron Man suit. <laughs> but, like, it's kind of sick, though. Let's be real. It's kinda, no, it's, it's listen, listen, it's sick. I'm not denying that it's sick, but it's an Iron Man suit. This is, this is, in essence, a good way to have Rotor as a backup. You're essentially fixing the back issue by giving him a nanite suit that allows him to essentially, you know, just do his thing. We move to Rotor. He's flying, and he reminisces about how back in the day, man, I made some pretty kick-ass weapons. I ate stuff to punch through zones. I tried to fill the void that was left with Sonic's absence with even bigger and badder weapons, but uh, honestly, I went too far. Other Freedom Fighters got caught in the crossfire, and when that happened, I vowed not to use weaponry again. But even still... There were moments where I felt like a hypocrite. Like when myself and Sir Charles were making the Metal Sonic Troopers. And when he flies into the Northern Tundra, he vows that after this, I'll be retired for real. But for now, my family needs me. Then we move again to Sonic with the Arctic Freedom Fighters making their way to the Legion. Sonic asks, why is Eggman always going after the walruses in particular? Well, Guntifer says, probably because they're the largest species out here. And their city of Iceboro is the largest influence in the region. 
Iceboro, not Iceberg. You know, because, like, dude, stop. That joke is older than the permafrost. They reach their point. The walruses are seen with spears and shields in hand, defending an Eggman tower. Meanwhile, Rotor is continuing to fly in, but out of nowhere, he's stopped out of his own will. A cyan bubble holding him in place and is flung to the ground. Rotor thinks it's some kind of badnik or legionnaire and he fires on it, but the ammo is encased and thrown back. And the person attacking him revealed none other than Silver the Hedgehog. Okay, on that note, before we talk about anything, I think it's time we talked about our story B. Yes, we have a story B. Future Tense. Written by Flynn, art and pencils done by Mr. Jamal Peppers. We are now in Silver's time, 200 years from the present, on Onyx Island. We should also point out, Onyx Island is seen to be Angel Island fallen to the planet and left on its side. Interesting. Silver is looking through old books of what seemed to be the Freedom Fighters, saying that he'll have to thank Edmund for letting me do my research here. Mm -hmm. Looking through and coming to the conclusion that Boomer, or Rotor, is the traitor because that the first Freedom Fighters were Sonic, Sally, Antoine, and Boomer. Whoever this rotor guy is, he must have taken Boomer's place somehow and gone undetected. Jesus Christ, Silver, why are you like this? <laughs> he doesn't know any better. He's just kind of dumb. He, Silver's just kind of dumb, man. I'm sorry. I, I love you, but good lord, stop being a fuck and think. And also for the record, I also want to point out that inside this library, behind Silver, there's this giant painting of freedom fighters from a bygone era. They are the future freedom fighters seen in Sonic Universe's second arc. They're led by Knuckles' daughter, Laura Sue. That's a little fun callback. But the question then becomes, so what happened to them? Why is Angel Island on its side? So I want to talk about this in the next issue because there is again a story B that follows up on this, but... I want to talk about that in the next issue. Can we do that? Yes, of course. Okay. So so leaving it on a cliffhanger, Silver flies off to show his master, but decides maybe he doesn't need to show him because he'll handle it by himself. He's confident in using the power of time to his advantage. He doesn't need a super warp ring. He can just go back to the past and destroy the traitor because it has to be done. It must be done. And then slowly falls and sits. Having a bit of a contemplation. Can he really go that far? Can he just destroy someone for a crime they haven't committed yet? Maybe he'll talk to him. Convince him not to... As Silver looks out at the destroyed city. No. He did this to his future. He did this to my past. I'll save both our times and both our worlds. Kronos control! And teleports away on top of what is revealed to be a statue... Of Laura Sue in shambles with our comic ending there. So again, like I said, I have a lot of thoughts here, but we're going to save it for the next issue. So take that as your cliffhanger. We'll move on to Sonic the Hedgehog number 216. Flynn and Butler again, the creative team. So we pick up where our last issue left off. Silver has Rotor pinned, but he insists that he would never betray my friends. Also, shorting out these nanites with your psychokinesis didn't destroy them. 
And also, also, no one calls me Boomer anymore. And he shoots into the ground, kicking Snow up. Silver is able to throw it away with his psychokinesis, but Rotor has gone from his sight. And then Rotor comes in from behind, putting Silver in a chokehold, telling Silver, my herd is in danger. My family have become slaves to Eggman. They need me. And it may be the last time I can do anything to help. But Silver throws him off and considers, look, there are hundreds of lives at stake here. So I'm willing to put this aside and I want to help. Meanwhile, Sonic and the Arctic Freedom Fighters are about to split up. One team taking the underwater section and the other land to face the walruses head on. So Sonic buzz cuts the ice for the aquatic team to make their way. And as they leave, Irma reminds Sonic and Guntiver, focus on the mission, boys. So while Sonic wants to go in head first for the walruses, he's dodging their weapons. But Sonic runs into Rotor's mom and little brother, hypnotized. And he's actually trying to call out to them, seeing if maybe they can recognize him, but... They can't hear through it. In that moment, both their heads are hit to each other's and they're knocked out. And which in a series of panels, we see Irma revealing herself. She has an invisibility ability, kind of like Espio's, saying that this is because she's an Ermine. Which for the record, Ermine are like Arctic ferrets. They usually have white fur, which blends them into the snow. So I guess this is like the... Uh, uh, weird. Okay, fine. I don't, all right, sure. At the underwater section of the tower, Flip, Celia, and Augustus are seen fighting a killer whale, which is part of the Dark Egg Legion. When Augustus punches it, they're on the winning side. While they're trying to regroup to cover Augustus and get him a breath of air, they're hit by a sonar wave, sent by that killer whale, able to do that by its legionized parts. He sends another one to directly hit Augustus, which knocks him out through the ice and into the air. He says that you freedom fighters are wasting your time. The battle between the orcas and the walruses have been old as the tides. Hey, why do you have to bring the race war into this, man? The race war! Uh, anyway, because of the legionization, the orcas are fully able to hypnotize the walruses and keep them under Eggman's control. So over the ice, Rotor and Silver find a rot on the ground and find Rotor's herd. Silver wants to go in head first, but Rotor says, uh-uh. Head for that building. It's one of Eggman's bases. Maybe if we can go in there, we can stop this right there and then. So they break into the control room. Rotor says, I think I can hack into the computer with just a few minutes. And as he's going in, Silver asks, but for what? And Silver points behind him and sees a helmet standing over a seat. Rotor thinks that this is some kind of neural interfacer. Essentially, it's a command center for the hypnotized herd. Hey, Silver, with your powers... You could free them, right? Uh, uh, well, my, my powers are telekinetic, not telepathic. But Rotor just says, no, 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 sit down, let's give it a shot. So now, Silver's strapped in, neither of them knowing how it works or what's going on. So we're just like, uh, maybe just think a thought? And Silver does exactly that and frees the herd from their control. And Sonic helps to get people's bearings up, and then they hear below the ice, the others did it. Then they come down from the tower, Rotor and Silver reveal themselves, and Sonic says, well, whatever happened to I don't adventure anymore, Rotor, rab, wab, wab, uh, look, long story, Sonic, but let's just keep this between us, okay? As Rotor's mom comes in from behind. We then move to a little later, the underwater walrus city, Iceboro, 
The walruses celebrate their heroes with a feast as the Freedom Fighters tell their story. Rotor says that their disabling of the sonic waves must have hit the Legions pretty hard, considering after that the Legionnaires had a hard time getting their bearings underwater. And Rotor's mom also wants to shout him out. Not only a Freedom Fighter, but also helping to run Numa Metropolis. Oh, your father would be proud, as am I. And his little brother is just really quickly asking he wants to try on Rotor's battlesuit. And sitting next to each other, Sonic rads his silver about, you know, you're really insistent on finding this imaginary traitor in my friend group, buddy. You know, Boomer was what we called him in our childhood, you know? <laughs> yeah, look, I heard about it from his mom countless times. But look, I'm really just trying to help you guys out here. It wasn't a total waste of time, right? And when I hooked into that machine, I was able to see how the neural network works. So I made it so the herd can't be mind-controlled again. And Sonic cheers Silver to that. And in that moment, Rotor lifts Silver up into his arm, says, yeah, sit next to Hamlin for a week, then I'll be impressed. Wow, fuck Hamlin. <laughs> Meanwhile, we move to Numo Metropolis in Uncle Chuck's diner. Sally and Amy are just having drinks, waiting for their friends. And in come Tails, Antoine, and Bunny, back from their vacation. Tails slumps into the booth saying, Man, oh man, I've had a bit of my own adventure. <laughs> I'll tell you later. Punish Tails. And Sally says, Well, Bunny, I need you to get your rest because I need you and Sonic for a mission. And that ends the main story, but... We gotta finish off that story, B. Flynn and Pepper is, of course, the creative team. We return 200 years into the future, Silver using Kronos Control to go back to the future. Uh, that was embarrassing. I was wrong about the traitor. Again, in front of his mother, no less. As we hear an old man slowly approach. Who's come to my island? Good afternoon, Guardian Edmund. It's me, Silver. 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 Mm. Oh, right, the boy with the funny hair out to save all of time. How'd that <laughs> work out for you? Uh, not good. But thanks for letting me do my research, though. I did, huh? Well, I am over 100 years old now. About to go senile one of these days. The Silver's like, no, no, no. You know, whenever I go back in time, I desync from the time stream, so history may be off a little bit. Uh, don't patronize me, Sliver. It's silver. silver. Look, every time I go into the past, something changes and affects the present. You've lived through it. I didn't realize it. And then Edmund points with his cane to the Space Colony Ark, which crash-landed nearby. Has that been there? Yep. Fortunately, it's been burning for years. Well, do you remember the Great Kredzu Spore? No? Ah, uh, well, that's a shame. You did a great job destroying the root. So, he sits down. And ask Silver, do you still work for that sad sack of lies? My master, Silver emphasizes, taught me how to use my powers. I would have been lost without him. And then they both think, did, do you think he noticed that I left? And they both get a telepathic message. You underestimate me. Return now. So Silver leaves, as Edmund says, oh, you're always welcome on my island, Sifter. Maybe. This failed guardian can teach you something yet. Conversation begins to happen as Silver flies away from Onyx Island, flying in as he and his master communicate. I'm on my way back now, master. From another failed mission to the past, I warrant. Yes, sir. Your training is yet incomplete, as is your knowledge of your past. 
If you are to be a knight of Kronos, you cannot jump through time without consideration. With all due respect, sir, I did my research before I left. And did you find the traitor? No, but I did eliminate one of the possibilities. I'm closer to the truth now. Silver is flying through all these burned down forests and destroyed cities to get home. And he returns. His master comments, Silver, you were gifted with incredible power. I only wish to harbor you for making the same mistakes I made. Some of which were most dire, I'm sad to say. And so when he really comes back, his master asks Silver, please make dinner for the two of us and we will reflect over your latest adventure. And Silver says, yes, of course, Mammoth Mogul. And that's the end of 216. Okay, so that's the fucking bombshell, is that Silver's master isn't... It's... It's... It's Mammoth Mogul. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Okay. I have a lot to say here. Before we get into the Mammoth Mogul stuff, I have something really interesting I wanted to discuss. This comic, this two sets of story bees is like mastered it is mastered the usage of environmental storytelling all right we see our first shot onyx island which we can obviously tell a destroyed angel island which fell to the earth on its side so now we have to ask okay something happened to the master emerald what could that be what could have it been we look inside and all around the city has been you know destroyed it looks abandoned essentially and then when Silver comes back, he meets the Guardian Edmund. Now remember, Edmund is the name of the first Guardian. And we see this Guardian named Edmund, who is looking incredibly old. He even says himself he's over a hundred years old. Which can imply he doesn't have a successor in line. He didn't have a family. So perhaps he thought that this is like a whole, you know, it's a circular thing. The Guardianship ends with me kind of thing. We don't need to have a Guardian. And he implies... That by saying maybe this failed guardian can teach you something yet, something happened to the Master Emerald on his duty, on his watch. So maybe he thinks he doesn't deserve to be guardian anymore. He kind of lost that right when he fucked up the one thing he was asked to do. What really stuck with me, I guess is like sort of the implication of Edmund saying that, oh, maybe this failed guardian can teach you something yet. Maybe this is just me extrapolating. But think of it like this. The Guardianship relied on the, you know, Knuckles lineage, if you want to call it that, mastering chaos power. But if you want to think of it like this, this can kind of be like a situation of, like, bending the elements in Avatar, which, as time goes on, more and more people get those kinds of abilities and it becomes more integrated with the world. So perhaps by Silver's time, powers like that are pretty common. We can even maybe imply that Silver's ESP could be derived from Chaos Power in some way, shape, or form. So maybe Edmund looks at Silver and thinks maybe the Guardianship, if it has to continue, doesn't need to be familial. It doesn't have to be this lineage. I don't have a descendant of my own. So maybe he looks at Silver and thinks maybe he's worthy of being the Guardian of Onyx Island. Maybe he could restore this place to its former glory. Maybe he could do what I couldn't. And that's kind of what really sticks out to me. I, this is very masterful. The art here is phenomenal. It's a lot. <laughs> and that goes without saying the whole mammoth mogul thing too. I mean, holy shit, that's a bombshell. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that mammoth mogul, especially the state we find him in, he is very much borderline decrepit, very calm, non-condescending, it's like everything's been taken out of him. All the emotion, all the 
the greed and the lust, it's all just wiped. It's surreal. There is so much that can be said for all of this. And I think what makes it even crazier is that we don't really find out. Yeah, it's kind of uh, part of the situation, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, all I can theorize is that maybe uh, Mammoth Mogul in the years after Sonic passed away probably regrets his actions and maybe in a weird roundabout way wants to use silver to go back in time and like maybe fix the things he messed up i definitely think ian flynn had something else going on for it or maybe he's just like completely benevolent now and just wants to have silver be his protege in the sense of like i am teaching you to use this great power with responsibility so that another mammoth mogul doesn't come up because, I mean, let's think about it. Silver's powers are pretty insane. There's going to be a bit more showing this in the future. So leave a pin in that comment for now. But perhaps Mammoth Mogul sees Silver and is like, okay, this if this kid doesn't know how to control his powers, shit can get out of hand real bad. So he takes it upon himself to train him. And I think that's the best that I can tell as far as we see here. Yep, absolutely. I agree. I think that this entire plot point is inherently, like, very interesting from that perspective. I think that, unfortunately, because it doesn't get followed up, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we unfortunately will not be able to really, uh, grasp everything about it, but there's a lot of speculation that can be done. Yes. So, I think on that note, let's move on to our next issue, Sonic the Hedgehog number 217. Flynn doing the writing, of course, and we got a new artist on board. We got a new artist. His name is Ben Bates, and he's a longtime Sonic fan as well. Obviously, this is his first issue, and even still, Ben Bates works on the IDW Sonic comics today, and in addition to that, he worked on IDW's TMNT and My Little Pony comics, and in addition to that, in his animation work, he worked on a TV show, uh, Avengers Assembled for Marvel, and then... This is the, my favorite thing that I learned about him. He worked on the Cartoon Network show OKKO. Okay oh! He did the model sheets for Sonic and Tails in that episode where Sonic appeared. What a world, huh? That That is that is adorable. Oh, what a glow up. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. We love... The art in this issue is great, by the way. Should just, should just openly say that. Of it's, course. It's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. So, we open... On a rather interesting uh, shot, it seems like Sonic and Bunny are in a bit of a duel. Sonic even thinking, who I knew it wouldn't be easy, but I did not think I'd be fighting Bunny in an oil refinery. So you're probably wondering how we got in this situation. One day ago prior, she and Sonic were heading out to meet with the Sandblast Freedom Fighters. Another name we have not heard of in a long, long time. Bunny asked, why did we have to go out there? It's not like they asked for us specifically with a sour look on her face. And Sonic kind of agrees, but look, considering our history with them, we'd be helping out a lot of people by answering their call. Plus, Tails was a little upset about being left behind, but Sonic relaxed him by saying, buddy, anything happens, you're in charge, my man. But either way, Bunny thinks that this is a good thing. And she raises her altitude, race you the rest of the way, Sonic. And then she flies herself over Sandblast City, encased in its dome, and sees a bombardment on the side of the shield. 
And on that note, when she sees that, her cybernetics give out. And she falls. And Sonic sees her in the horizon about to crash land. And he comments, we come to help these sandblasters and they double cross us. Big fucking whoop. So Sonic burrows into the cliffside near the shield. And then inside, we see the sandblasters moving gear in their city as Sonic pops out of the ground, demanding to know where Jack is. And then immediately the boys attack Sonic. They're wondering why this traitor came back to them. And Sonic talks to them about attacking Bunny, but they don't know anything about that. Sonic just says, save it, dude. I saw her fall. But one of the sandblasters spin dashes into Sonic, knocking him to the ground. And to the feet of Jack, the leader of the sandblasters, pistol pointed to his head. And Sonic gets up saying, look, we're the ones answering your distress call. And then you guys knock Bunny out of the sky. Jack replies, number one, no, we did not. Number two, we called for backup, not you. And number three, we didn't knock anyone out of the sky. But then Jolt, who is a roadrunner, tells Jack that Bunny, because of her being half Rovian, was probably affected by Avery's EMP field. So Jack thinks, oh, yeah, that's probably true. But uh, I told you to shut up and you get it. So Tex, give him one for disobeying orders and is given a nice punch to the chest. Jack shows that his boy Avery built this EMP field in case the shield ever went down and the legions got too close. So Bunny probably was just hit by one of them. And what? When that happened, the legionnaires attacked and started turning tail. You know, they probably captured her by now. So, Sonic, considering you're here, we'll help you rescue her. But you gotta help us out with a little project. Which is, take over Eggman's base. Deal. You hear that, boys? Sonic the Hedgehog has let bygones be bygones. We'll see about Bunny, though. I think she'll be in fine company. But Sonic just asks, what do you mean by that? So this is where it starts to get real interesting. And a big reason why I like these two issues in particular. So, Jack explains. You remember all them Robians that terrorized us a while back? Yeah, you tried to keep me as your weapon against them and then later set them on Bunny. Details, details. Not long back, they all got turned back to normal. We took them in, only for them to go running back to Robotnik so they could be legionized. Okay, I don't get it. They willingly went back to Eggman? Show enough. Now they run his oil ocean refinery, which you're going to help us win for ourselves. So oil ocean zone has been pushed into the comic. Hello, oil ocean zone. Uh, I'm a fan of you. Uh, not many people are. It's a nice aesthetic. It's a cool aesthetic. It's, it's interesting. I like it. So we shift back to Bunny. She wakes up in an unfamiliar bed. The first thing she sees, legionnaires by her side. And she panics thinking she's being held prisoner. But one of the legionnaires says, look, no, no, no. We were ordered to rescue you when we fell out of the sky. One of the others is running out calling for the Baron. And Bunny is about to pummel one of them. And as a voice calls out, now hold on there, Buns. And she recognizes the voice. Oh, my stars. You're among friends, sweetheart. And she runs into his arms, tears in her eyes, calling him, That's Uncle Beauregard. I thought I'd never see you again. And he thought the same. They missed each other. So now, I don't know about you, Aaron, but I love this character. This guy 
is so cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. He is he is one of the most interesting and unique looks we get into the inner dynamics of the world outside of what we normally see within this comic. So let's let's have a let's let's have a little chat, shall we? Mm-hmm. Bunny is taken aback by the fact that Beauregard is Dark Egg Legion, and not only that, the Grand Master asking the uh, other Legionnaires to leave them be for a bit. Sitting down, explaining that we've got a bit of catching up to do. First of all, Beauregard asks, If you're not Legion, how'd you get your robot limbs? To which Bunny obviously explains the robotization process and her getting changed halfway. You became a freedom fighter. I gotta say, I'm proud of you. Did everyone start saying Rabot instead of Rabu? (laughs) I get that all the time. Mm -mm. Well... Neither now. It's this Nicolette. <laughs> so the dude is freaking the fuck out about the fact that, that, you know, her niece got married and all that stuff, right? And, you know, also getting a little mad about the fact that, oh, the family is, uh, you know, the soldiers bent on protecting the oppressors. We'll get back to this. Bunny's a little peeved saying, please don't start this now, not when we just got each other back. Beauregard is a fair man, stating that uh, we don't know how long we can keep the peace here. Bunny obviously asking, so why the Legion? Regardless of what happened between the kingdoms and the baroness, how could you side with Eggman? And here's where the real interesting stuff comes in. Beauregard saying, Legionization ain't all bad. Fixed my bum knee after all. And no, there's no sense of keeping it, you've seen as you're all growing up. Walk with me, sweetheart. As a long walk ensues, we used to be Robians, slaves to Dr. Robotnik and the cannon fodder set against Sandblast City. One day, we were suddenly back to normal. Nobody's quite sure how, but we were thankful. We tried to make peace with the Sandblasters, settled a bit before trying to get back to our homes. They showed us no mercy. Once a Robian, always a Robian, they said. We were worse. We were slaves. They drove us into the Badlands. We had no choice but to ask the Eggman Empire for help. I did my best to organize and protect these people. As a uh, armadillo of some kind, uh, holding up a very large crate with one hand, asks, uh, Excuse me, Baron, where did you want this? A forward battery. Please, Matilda, thank you kindly. For the record, uh, she does have a bit of a familial look to her. Leave it at that. We'll come back to this. Yeah, very, very, very curious. We don't want to be a part of this, sweetheart. We don't want to protect the refinery. But we ain't got a choice right now. And then Bunny gives her uncle a hug and says, Look, I understand. So I want to do what I can to help you guys. Meanwhile, Sonic is being driven with the rest of the Sandblasters to the refinery. Sonic's saying, Look, the sooner we do this, the sooner we find Bunny. And then Jack with his binoculars says, <laughs> Funny you mention that. The traitor is right in front seat with the Legion, buddy. What? Let me see. And then we move to Bunny riding next to her uncle. Him saying, you really sure you wouldn't mind finding the Freedom Fighters? Says, yeah. Not one among them would mind thumping, Uncle Bo. Right as Sonic hops right in, punching Bo across the face, saying, nah, nah, nah. We Freedom Fighters stick together as Bunny throws Sonic off the UFO, saying, don't you touch him. And then he is flown and dunked into the oil in the refinery. 
and realizes, oh, Jack was not joking about that trailer park. Anyway, let's see how this pans out. She comes in to apologize to Sonic, but Bunny says, I can't let the Sandblasters get their hold on this place. Sonic says, well, I can't let Eggman's goons hold on to this, so bring it on. And that's the end of that story. We do have a story B, Flynn and Yard of the creative team, and it's a, it's a story. Let's leave it at yeah, that because it it's works. it's it's very very basic. Well, to briefly cover it, I, I don't. Do we need to give a long ex- in depth explanation? No. Or can we mostly? Yeah. So remember that story where um, uh, Sonic Tails and Knuckles were setting up the Chow Garden. Uh, so that garden gets attacked by Snively with a similar device. Amy shows up, takes down Snively's mech, and the entire sanctuary is completely wrecked again. Uh, Vanilla and Cream's house gets wrecked. So they just decide to move everything and uh, take Chows with them. And uh, it's followed up in Universe 21. Is, is that a good enough explanation? Yes, but I do want to comment. This story is the first appearance of Cream and Vanilla in the mainline Sonic comics. And if you're probably wondering, why did it take so long for these two characters, which for the record, originated from the games, to be put in this comic? Folks, the explanation is as stupid as you think it is. So, Cream and Vanilla obviously were central characters in Sonic X, which had a comic on Archie for a little bit. So, the reason that Ian was given whenever he tried to put uh, Cream in the comics before this was that we don't want to have any characters from Sonic X in the main comic. Kind of implying that Cream has a stronger association with the Sonic X brand than the Sonic franchise as a Whole, it was a very stupid explanation, and I'm glad that Ian like managed to talk some sense into them. Wow. Alright, so before we go into the next issue, I feel like it's important to note that I like really, really like what Ian is doing here. It's very clear that the intention is to attempt to sort of humanize some of the Legion members in some way. I agree with you, because what Ian is doing here is kind of flipping the dynamic of the Freedom Fighters and the Legion, because now you have... The Freedom Fighters, the Sandblasters, who are, like, clearly, like, totalitarian assholes and how they run their shit. And they really, like, have this anarchic view of what they want to do and how to do things. Meanwhile, you have the Legion, who legit just want to live in peace. But they can't really do that because they keep getting hounded by the, the Sandblasters. So they're like, man, fuck it. We have to protect ourselves somehow. We have no choice but to go back to Eggman. It's kind of fucked, but, um... I think it's interesting that, you know, in a way it's like the tyrannical dictator is sort of giving them that second lease of life because, you know, they would literally be treated like slaves while under Eggman they have some form of autonomy, which is interesting to say the least. Pick it right into Sonic 218 with Flynn writing and Bates doing the art. And this is the last comic we've got for you guys today. So now what's happening here? The Sandblasters and the Legion are just waiting on the sidelines, just watching Sonic and Bunny basically just beat the shit out of each other. Jack says he didn't want them here anyway, so boys, sit it back. Let's enjoy the show. And Matilda's asking Bo when they can engage, and he says either until Bunny controls the situation or until she needs us. Ah, oh, my little buns, all grown up and holding her own against Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, in the refinery during the little combat, Sonic tries to reason with her. So, okay, Bunny, what's going on here? How about we just trash this place and go home, huh? But Bunny says we can't let that happen. 
If the Sandblasters get this place, Eggman will come down hard on the Legionnaires. What Sonic says, well, they used to be all Robians, and they willingly came back to Eggman. And Bunny responds, yeah, well, the Sandblasters abused them, and they had no choice but to go to Eggman for protection from them. And Sonic, I feel like, I want to just, like, take a note here. I feel like in any other, like, comic or anything like this, the hero in this situation would be like, oh, come on, that's ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. But considering Sonic's history with these guys, he just, like, nuts up and is just like, nah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, I do like that Sonic isn't jumping to conclusions and he's just like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, nah, I get it. I understand. Knowing Jack and the boys, I get it. But look, the Legion are the bad guys, so to speak, and we're doing their dirty work for them. And then Bunny admits, the Baron here is my uncle. I can't turn my back on him now that I've found him again. And then again, the two are in a struggle hand in hand. She also does agree to him. We really can't let them keep this place for the dock. But Sonic says that he understands Bunny's position too. Eggman would be pretty pissed if this place went down to the Sandblasters. He would have no mercy to your uncle. And Bunny says it would be a little different if it were just us doing the same old hero stuff. And then Sonic is like, yeah, you're right. Then it would be only us to blame. Blame. And so in an absolutely fantastic panel, the two look aside from each other with quite the devious smirks. And they begin, well, uh, fucking up the entire place in there fight uh <laughs> sonic having quite the time being a bit of an actor oh dear i have been thrown with excessive force <laughs> as he crashes through an oil pipeline oh i'll get you back for that as he revs up a container ah you're such a ham sugar hog the sandblasters are enjoying the fight that bunny and sonic are doing as one of jack's boys says oh wow they're really tearing the place up to which that comment is where Jack realizes those low-down scum double-crossing start the jeeps, ready their weapons, we move in and we take them out now. <laughs> and I'd like to obviously make special mention of the art here. The expressions on uh, their faces are absolutely fantastic. It's Real really fun. good. Yeah, it's really good. So Bo sees the sandblaster starting to move in and tells Matilda, start the saucer. We don't need more collateral damage. But he looks up in his binoculars and sees Bunny and Sonic are in fact in cahoots. She's a freedom fighter and she married a Decolet after all. So in the sky, Sonic and Bunny are seeing the two groups moving in. Yeah, the jig is up. When they begin to move in, Sonic says, hey, you know, Bunny, I had such a fun time fighting for my life, you know? And then the two fly into the middle of the fire. Sonic fights Jolt and gives him kind of a run for his money. But as always, Sonic overtakes him and Jolt is down. Sonic always asking, why do I have to deal with annoying green birds all the time? Then another Sandblaster text to spin dashes into him, you know, trying to give Sonic a turn. But Bunny punches him away. Then another one shift tries to trap Bunny with a bear trap. But it's latched onto her Robian arm. So she just... Flat out just flexes, literally flexes on it, and it breaks no sweat. And dude runs off in a panic. Jack and Avery are targeting Sonic and Bunny. Avery has a rocket launcher. Jack is saying, bro, what are you doing? Take the shot. Yeah, okay, sure, it could do damage to the refinery, but like, look at this place already. Just do it. It's worth it. 
right as he's about to launch, the Baron hits Avery over the head with a steel pipe. The rocket launcher is pointed in the air, and it goes off. And Bo grabs Jack with his legionized arm, pinning him to the wall. Bunny rushes in to protect her uncle, and Bo yells at her, I thought you understood. It doesn't matter what this refinery is for. Eggman's built a station for something bigger than he's ever flown before. We need to protect it. You're putting my people's lives at stake. She responds, crushing Jack's gun in her hand. Bo only thinks of her as cold-hearted as Sonic homing attacks Bo, and the rocket Avery launched falls down into the oil, bringing the whole refinery into flames. And now you've done it, Mrs. DeColay. You've doomed us all. But Bunny says, hey, look, what we did was stop the sandblasters from getting into this place, and we stopped Eggman's plans, whatever they are. All while shifting the blame away from you, Uncle. And Sonic concurs. Listen, with me around, Eggman will just go ballistic and only think of me. He's got a bit of a complex. Bo shakes Bunny's hand, saying, listen, girl, you can't be on both sides forever. One day you're going to have to fight me. And she does agree, but look, today isn't that day. But she says, hey, this is the first time I've seen you in years. I don't want to end it in another fight. And then Bo himself gives the stand-down order. Goodbye, Mrs. DeColay. Well, goodbye, Grandmaster Rabo. The two walk away from each other, each of them holding their hats over their faces. Sonic looks at the horizon and sees the sandblasters leaving, Legion in retreat on the other side. The oil spill won't spill into the local environment. All's well and ends well. So let's call it here, yeah? But he sees that Bunny is in tears over reuniting with her family like this. But Sonic reminds her, hey, we did a good thing. And she does agree, and the two walk off to the sunset together. Meanwhile, new Mobotropolis and Castle Acorn. Good old friend King Max getting a quick checkup by Dr. Quack, but is shooed away. And Alicia apologizes for his behavior. And as he walks out, she just asks Max, What's going on? You can't keep shutting everyone out. And he does agree. And asks, Can you call for someone? I want to see them. Oh, it's, yes. Who is it? Sally? Elias? No, no. No. Bring me... Jeffrey St. John. This can't be anything fucking good. All right. The boomer has called the shit heel. What madness will we get into next time? Y'all gonna have to wait till next episode for that shit. Yeah, you're uh, yeah, yeah, you're telling me. But while that's the end of the story, we do have a story B, a very 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 little like oh boy, a little heated story B. Flynn Peppers, of course, the creative team. So, Snively is brought in by some Dark Egg Legion uh, troopers as he's brought into his uncle's chambers. Eggman saying, I'm not happy, Snively. For all your treachery, you've never been sloppy about it. Snively attempts to meekly try and deny it, but immediately Eggman says, you're making calls to the Dragon Kingdom. You're trying to get her back. Bruh. Bruh. That's that's some simp behavior. We don't need that. Not in the Eggman nah, Empire. Nah, 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 nah. No simps allowed. And to make it even worse, I have proof. Which is a video recording call of him attempting to contact the Bride of the Conquering Storm. So, he's coordinating with her the delivery of the automated legionization devices. But Conquering Storm insists we do not need them. We are strong enough as it is. But Snively doubles down. We are sponsoring you, so we will tell you what to use. Understood? 
Yes. So Snively just, you know, hand waved to the side. See, Uncle? It was all just business. So let's move along to as the recording continues. And now about the Iron Queen to Snively's fear and Eggman's increased interest. Conquering Storm replies that, look, she's still imprisoned in a stone cage deep in the heart of the free people's land. She has no technology anywhere near her. And Snively just cuts it off from there. That's all he needed to know. Recording ends. Oh, Snively's just like, ah, you see, Uncle? I was just leveling challenges. I wasn't simping. And then, of course, Robotnik in his chair simply says, say it's over. What? He gets up. Guns pointed to Snively's back. Say your little romance with the Iron Queen is over. Give her up. Here. Now. Snively has to hesitate. She's lost to me. It's over. I give up. boy, you're all dismissed. Snively walks out, shaking his fist. It is over, but not in the way you think. Mr. Snively getting ready for his next move. Interesting. I, I can imagine he does have his pretend contingencies upon contingencies, but I mean, you know, it's Snively. Who, who's to say? It's, it is, in fact, Snively. So, we are at the end of this comic session. That's the end of uh, all the comics we've got for you today, and, well, let, let's just have our detox. So, number one, the Sonic Universe stuff, loved that. That having Tails as the focal character feels like something that's been a long time coming, something that's been a long time needed for this comic. And, you know, we already have had stories that show Tails grow into his own. We're in a position with Tails where he feels confident enough in his abilities to, you know, act as an independent agent from Sonic. And this comic just solidified that. That one scene where Tails was barreling through the Armada air mechs, that was it. Like, it showed that Tails is a force to be reckoned with. And that, I love. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty great. Also goes without saying that us saying in the beginning it was very, very Bunny-centric shows you what we mean now. Because Bunny ended up being a major character this time around, especially in the last two comics. Being introduced to her uncle, which for the record, I believe I've said this before, but it bears repeating. Bunny as a character we actually don't know that much about because she was just introduced as an aside. And then we just pulled her into the Freedom Fighters with no explanation as to who she was. So now Ian Flynn's taking the opportunity to, you know, explore this character. So now we meet her uncle. It appears that she had a falling out with her entire family. Don't want to leave with another fight. As much as, you know, it's the Southern... I guess it's the Southern vibe that, despite it all, obviously he still loves his family, he still loves her. But he just can't get over the fact that, number one, she's a freedom fighter. And also the fact that she married into the family of the oppressors. That's a hard hit. Yeah. It's like a real, it, it's real. These are like real situations that people could really be in. And I think that's what I really enjoy the most about Ian Flynn's run so far is that he doesn't pull punches when he writes. I think it's, I think it's something that's uh, really interesting about him. I don't know. He, he really makes sure that the, uh, that shit guts you. It does. And it, it got me, it got me a lot. So I think on that note, that will end us tonight on this episode of the Archie Sonic Digest. Let me let me see my notes again. What have we got next time around for you? So next time we will be covering the next Sonic Universe arc, which is Treasure Team Tango. 
and that's uh that one's just like good old dumb fun it really yeah. is yeah it's it's pretty it's a it's pretty fun the mainline comics is 219 to 222 we're getting real close to 225 it feels like every time we get closer and closer to ian flynn's like milestone issues they end up being bigger than the last one 175 banger 200 surpassed it and ended up being a response to 175 in a way i just wonder what 225 is gonna bring us folks i really wonder i really wonder so i think on that note we'll leave you guys thanks again so much for watching join us on patreon.com slash sonic speed low as two dollars a month you'll get the episodes early and be part of our little family parasocial relationships marriage social summationships indeed don't be cringe we love you but don't don't try to investigate our personal lives and on that note we'll see you next time for the archie sonic digest thanks folks